Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Yes, welcome indeed. It is the 18th day of June 2013, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. If you're looking at your clocks and your watches, then we are all set to go here. And yes, generally at this time for Aetherius Radio Live, you are hearing Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Today, however, Richard and Chrissy are uh, on assignment separately. So they are, they're both off in different parts of the world doing what they need to do, and they've left this particular program in the capable hands of myself. I am Annette Rochelle Aben. I'm a producer here at Body, Mind, Spirit Radio. And you can find out more about Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, as well as the show Aetherius Radio Live, by going to www.bodymindspiritradio.com. And there you will find the fan page for this show. We do encourage you to sign in or sign up. If you haven't signed up on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, it's free. Go ahead and sign up. Then make sure you're signed in. And then go over to the page where the shows are. And if you don't want to navigate the toolbar to find shows and then scroll through, on the left-hand side of the website, I call them, they look like little return address labels because they're little white bars. And on the little white bars are the pictures of the hosts or the icons for the shows. In Aetherius Radio Live's case, it is an icon. And we're going to talk about that icon in a, in a little bit, the actual symbol for the Aetherius Society. And when you click on that, scroll down and click on the bar that has that icon, it takes you right to the fan page. And if you're not already a member, there will be a little bar that says, join this group. Click here to join this group or join trying to remember which one it says. I'm a member of all of them, so I never see the little icons or the little things when they change. But anyway, join. Please, please, please join. And that way we will be able to contact you when there are show changes, such as there was today, programming change, uh, relatively last minute, as well as update you on what's being done. You can catch the archives there. You can leave messages for Chrissy and Richard, as everybody does, about the program and how they've been conducting it and I'll tell you, the last few programs have been covering the 12 blessings. Fabulously, fabulously attended, riveting information. So I do guide and direct you to the wonderful book, The 12 Blessings, which when you go to the Aetherius website, which is aetherius.org, you will be able to find out how to obtain those books. And if you're anywhere near an Aetherius temple, you can also obtain the books there because Aetherius is a worldwide organization so you need to really shop where you are. I mean, if you're two continents away and I'm sending you to someplace in the States, for heaven's sakes, it's probably closer to shop where you are, but Aetherius.org will guide you and direct you to how you can do that. So once again, thank you for tuning in to Aetherius Radio Live. It is a live program for Tuesday, June 18th, 2013, and I am Annette Rochelle Abe, and I will be your guide for this particular program today during which we are going to be bringing you a conversation and a chat with a gentleman that I've had the pleasure of hearing Chrissy interview before, but I've actually not had that honor. I get that honor today. He is based in the American headquarters of the Ethereum Society, which is out in Los Angeles, California. And I'm hearing their weather and our weather is very similar today, so as far as I'm concerned, we're both sitting poolside in L.A. right now enjoying all of this. Uh, Brian Kniep is the executive secretary of the American headquarters as well as a bishop. Um, and he's going to be able to tell us a lot more about what he does, how he does it, and why he does it. So we're going to welcome to the program the Right Reverend Brian Kniep. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Annette. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be on uh, the radio live with you all over the Internet. Absolutely, and we are. We're everywhere, which is wonderful, and, and Aetherius is everywhere. So this is kind of like a hand-in-glove opportunity. People all around the world tune in to this particular program, and today they get to hear some of the background of the Aetherius Society and why it is so important to so many people, what it's done for so many people in their lives, including you. And I, I just think it's fascinating to give people the opportunity to learn more about the organization, and then to continue on with the programming that Richard and Chrissy have devised for us. So this is this is a good opportunity. I'm very, very appreciative to have this. So the Ethereum Society, cooperating with the gods from space. What do you mean by that? Well, that's an excellent question, uh, Annette. Um, and that really describes what sets the Ethereum Society um, apart from 
I would say all of the organizations that I know of um, that are open to a normal man, and that is that we are cooperating with great spiritual beings who are beyond Earth. Um, and to, to say that, why don't we back up for just a minute, because most people on Earth uh, don't really believe or certainly think very much about anything beyond Earth. Uh, the scientists have kind of told us that the view of the universe is that you've got this incredibly lush, living planet, the Mother Earth, with, with just life on every square inch of, of, of this planet. And yet, all around us, for parsecs and parsecs of space, it's lifeless. And that's not what we understand to be the case. What we understand to be the case uh, in the Ethereum Society and, of course, many other um, beliefs is that the universe is, in fact, filled with life. There's life teeming throughout the universe. There's, there's life on the moon. There's life on Mars. There's life, there's life in between the suns, in between the galaxies. There's life everywhere in the universe. And it's such a, a, a diametrically opposed viewpoint as to um, your, your, your normal scientist. And there's a couple of clues that you might, might look at. One is UFOs. Where do they come from? Most people believe in them now. Uh, many, many people have seen them. Uh, they've been seen throughout the ages. Crop circles. Well, what's, what's the cause between, behind crop circles? Uh, life after death. What happens when you die? Uh, even though you can't see people, uh, many, many mediums uh, claim to and have proven uh, that they can communicate with beings that we can't see or detect. And so the Ethereum Society believes that there is a, a great uh, universe filled with mainly uh, more advanced individuals, more advanced beings than mankind. And many of them are trying as hard as they possibly can to help mankind through this very difficult time of our history. And so we call them cosmic masters. And this particular time on Earth is a very, very important time, which we can get into later. But they are trying, again, to the best of their abilities to help mankind. And one potent way of doing that is through mankind. And because of our founder president, uh, Dr. King, he had um, very close contact uh, with certain cosmic masters. And so he set up the organization so that we can continue to help mankind with the help of uh, the gods from space or cosmic masters. That's a long answer to a short question. But... No, 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 no. Gosh, that, not not even – I'm sitting here transfixed, and and I know that people listening – are shaking their heads, yes, yes, that makes sense. And it might even be a bit itchy, icky to hear some of the words because to, to imagine that we are not the most advanced race of beings now, I That's realize... That's a shocker, isn't it? The, yeah, exactly. I realize <laughs> the absurdity of what that What do you mean? <laughs> we built rockets. We created computers. <laughs> blah, right. blah, blah, blah. We've got it going on, you know. And And I get that, so... Here we are in this, and, and I am not a competitive person by any stretch of the imagination. If you want to beat me in something, go right ahead. You want to beat me, we might want to talk. But if you want to just you know, win in a competition of sorts, I'm going to be the first one to back down for two reasons. I don't believe in it, and secondly, I don't have time for it. But the thought process here is we spend so much time competing against each other for supremacy, the title of the best. And, you know, we have the Miss Universe pageant. We have the, you know, the champion this, the champion that. And we dare to say, you know, we are the biggest, baddest, bestest in the entire cosmos. And yet, when was the last time the entire cosmos was allowed to participate in such activities? And I really think they do. It's just that we don't recognize that, as as is pointed out in any of the studies of the Ethereum Society, and you look at, I mean, from, from, the, from the minuscule amount that I have been able to avail myself of at this point in my life, and, and I, I say that with the wonder and the joy of knowing there's so much more to explore, but they are participating, but 90% of the time I think we don't realize it until they've left. They've gone back, and we look back, and we look at the clues, and we, we look at what's happened, and we say, oh, I'll bet that wasn't a, that person came, oh, they were, that was cool, and, 
wouldn't it be grand if we could recognize it in our own waking time, in our own conscious moment? Because then I think we, in our humility, would accept the help. You know, I think um, that's that's another good a good reason why people don't necessarily believe in uh, great gods who are um, living outside of Earth and want to help us, because they say, well, they aren't helping us. I mean, they they look they see this planet that's suffering tremendously, and we are, and they say, well, why don't they help us? Or if they really were great compassion beings, they certainly would help us. And the thing that we don't understand is that. They, the, the universe is is built on on a on a, uh, a great evolutionary process. Uh, in other words, the great absolute, uh, which is all in all uh, throughout the universe, split itself up into multitudinous forms. The great outbreathing, if you will, and now we're in this great inbreathing, where all these parts are kind of coming together and evolving back to a conscious oneness again with it, with itself. And <clears throat> the force that, that pushes this um, evolution is karma. It's a pressure that pushes all the parts of this great absolute back to conscious oneness. And the pressure manifests on earth as the karma that we know. As you sow, so shall you reap. Or, op- or action and, and reaction are opposite and equal. What you send out, you get back. And so, what, what's happening is that <clears throat> as we as we move back towards God, our compassionate, our helping others, um, are trying to grow and evolve. Then we are helped by this great law of karma, this great pressure. If we try and go the other direction. Um, uh, in other words, think that we are separate and therefore try and put us apart, put ourselves apart from others, and we hurt others, or we compete with the others, or we try and put others down, we kill others, steal, whatever. Then the, the pressure of karma reacts against that, and the best teacher is experience. And so, if you do something wrong to someone, the greatest way to understand that that's wrong is to have that same thing happen to you. You feel that you realize that that is wrong, and so this is the great law of the universe. Now, mankind—we've done many, many, many things wrong to each other, and collectively, and, and as countries and states, and whatever. There's lots of different kinds of karmic pressures that are working against us, and so the problems that we have on Earth today are the results of our past actions, and it's not punishment. These are lessons. These are ways, these are things that we have to learn to overcome and understand so that we can evolve. And so a great being can't come down and solve our problems for us because then we won't be learning. You kind of like if you had a, a child who's in like a junior high school and, and he's in algebra and he doesn't want to do algebra, he can't stand algebra. At least I didn't. And so you, you want to say, hey, Dad, do this quadratic equation for me, could you please? And take my, you know, do all these this homework for me. And he kind of like, well, I, I could do that for you. I'd like to do that for you, maybe, so you can go out and play baseball. But then you wouldn't learn the quadratic equation, and then you would fail your test. And so that, that's a somewhat a similar thing that's going on on Earth, is that we have all of these problems are our homework assignments. It's our essential learning experience that we have to go through. Now, that being said, they can help us help ourselves. Uh, like in the background, like they they have given us great teachings. Uh, we we believe in the Aetherian Society that the greatest teachers that the Earth has ever seen were actually advanced beings from other worlds who came here to give us advanced teachings, to give us uh, examples and, and statements of the law of the evolution. Uh, Buddha, um, Sri Krishna, um, uh, the Master Jesus, uh, I Ching, uh, the, uh, Lao Tse, these were all great beings from other worlds who came to help us. That makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I love the, the illustrative of the child not being able to handle their homework assignment or other because that's a, that's a learning tool. You know, here's we give you this problem, go someplace where you can concentrate, where it's quiet instead of the activity of the classroom in this crazy 
60 or 55 minute period and give it some thought, figure it out, come back and tell us how you figured it out. I mean, we used to walk in and have to put our our homework on the board depending on the classes and they'd ask you, how did you figure that out? Because they were teaching us how to learn. They weren't just teaching us how to come up with an answer. And 90% of the time, if we came up with the right answer and we could explain how we did it, we could feel that sense of of accomplishment. It didn't mean that I was any smarter than anybody else in the room. It meant I challenged myself and rose to an occasion. So that makes a lot of sense. As well as then, it gave me the understanding of how to turn and help somebody else because I could say to them, I know you're not feeling that you're getting this right now, but maybe if you approached it differently. So when we get the help from the karmic energy, we get the help from the avatars, we get the help from the other beings, If, for lack of a more appropriate term, I think it's a perfect term personally, then they, that is their compassionate way of showing us where our strengths lie because then we don't become dependent. I think that the, the craziest thing we ever did to each other other than, you know, the battering each other with, you know, swords and cudgels and guns and chains and all these other magnificent um, yeah. uh, <clears throat> weapons. I think the, the worst thing we ever did was we created an interdependent society where these people can't function unless we're doing that for them. These animals can't function unless we're doing this for them. And, right. and I think that was heinous. It really was. It shows the, the need for control and manipulation because if I keep you in a state of needing, then I keep you under my control. Whereas we think that if somebody comes in from another planet or another end of the the universe, another galaxy, wherever, because there's life everywhere, even things we're not even aware of that exist are out there, then we're thinking they're going to come in and place some sort of control of us. I mean, in all of the great sci-fi things, I mean, I'm a child of the 50s, so I remember all this stuff. They'll come in and they'll mind control you, and it would show the beast with, you know, 19 fingers putting their hand on your head and zapping your brain and... What kind of goofiness is that? But we believed that, so we then became, you know, um, opposed to all of this. We we put our hands yeah, up and said, no, 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 you can't come here. And yet they are here. So we don't. Yeah. If we see them as love, we would probably accept that better. Sure, absolutely. I mean, it, it also comes down to your your own your own personal life. <clears throat> um, you know, you just classic Buddhist Buddhism uh, will teach you that. You know your your worst enemy, the one who really pisses you off, the one your boss that just really rides you and and holds you back. You think, um, or your or your your child who is just really um, messing with you or whatever, or your father or whatever. Um, what if you look at it from a karmic point of view, the people that are are the are the biggest pain in your side are your best and most potent teachers now you don't always want to tell them that maybe they're doing something that's wrong maybe they really are doing something that's wrong but even if they are it it has been brought to you for a karmic reason and it's a lesson and again maybe you need to i'm not saying you just need to kind of roll over and take whatever is given to you you have to um sometimes fight back and you have to make sure people uh, behave appropriately but don't do it with anger uh, don't do it as a victim. Do it as someone who realizes that this is happening to you for a karmic reason to help you evolve. Um, and don't 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 take it as a, as a way that you know it's holding you back. It's not holding you back. It's actually propelling you forward if you look at it the right way. Absolutely. I, I tell you, one of the things that came to me in the last few years. Yeah, you go through your ups and your downs, and I believe we go in cycles. And Chrissy, being a great astrologer, will always point out the astrological cycles and, and things of nature because there, there still are those energies that people follow and pay attention to, and I do, sure. many others do. And one of the things that came to me was we are experiential energies. In other words, we learn through experience, which is basically what you were just saying. You know, why is it here? It's an experience. We're going to learn from it, go through it, grow through it. You're fine. But every time somebody says, why is this happening to me? The universe went, oh, they didn't get it. And bam, through it again. And you keep saying that. So I learned, I'm right-handed, so I popped my right arm up one day and I pointed at this invisible whatever in the corner of my ceiling and I went, thank you, I get it. Thank you, I get it. Now, I didn't any more get it than I got it at that moment. But when I started to say that, 
Within seconds, I noticed a calm come over me. Within minutes to relatively maybe an hour in certain cases, things would start to fall into place. And usually by the next day, if it was really intense and longer, if it was much more, I would start to understand and this compassion and appreciation for the situation would manifest. And then even though it didn't make the situation go away immediately, it gave me a new appreciation for my part in it that, yes, I did ask for this. Yes, this is something I needed to go through. I am here because I set this up before I even got here. I get that and, oh, wow, this is going to help me. This is helping me. And here I've been fighting it all this time. What a goose. Right, right, right. No, it's very true. Very true. Well, one thing that um, your listeners may be interested in is that if this is true, if we are, if we really are cooperating with the gods in space, how does that manifest differently than um, a, a normal organization that is doing uh, great good for the world, but is not being, is not doing it in cooperation so directly, shall we say, in cooperation with the gods in space? Yes, and how uh, would that, that be? Well, it, it 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 works in in two ways, really. One is that we, I mean, the, the the most important tool on Earth for good is prayer. In other words, you you take this energy from the universe and you give it to somebody else as a healing energy, or as an uplifting, inspiring energy, or as a, just a love feeling. You know, this is one of the great tools um, that all the saints and all the religions have used forever. And one thing that we're being helped with in the Ethereum Society is that we've been uh, we've been given in some cases and have developed in other cases by by our uh, founder uh, leader Dr. King um, radionic tools that can amplify or um, compress and store and project uh, with a greater uh, potential this prayer energy, this spiritual energy. And so since we can um, basically uh, take this, this energy and, and make, it, make it do more, we have a, a greater power for good uh, on Earth. And one way that we do that, just give you an example, is a, a mission that we call Operation Prayer Power. This is where we have um, 30, 40, 50, 60 people come together in a hall or a church, um, uh, one of six places uh, or so around the world uh, every week, and we'll have um, these people chanting Tibetan mantra to create this this powerful love energy source in the room. Then we'll have individuals go up into the center of that and draw this energy down into them and with their own love recite the uh, the prayers from uh, the 12 blessings and push it into this this battery, um, this, this prayer power battery, which is filled with millions of crystals. And the energy then will go in there and it will stay in the in these crystals. And it, and it gets pumped in, pumped in, pumped in, so you have like a tremendous compressed storehouse of this extremely potent prayer love energy. And then when you need it, like say for uh, the aftermath of a hurricane or just before a tornado or during a uh, talk on on Syria, a peace talks, or during the talks with the North Koreans, for example, you can release this energy uh, in a tremendous um, uh, force of good, and then we actually ask uh, more advanced beings to actually manipulate or guide this energy to the people that are going to be most receptive to this energy. And so uh, a small amount of energy, but put into a battery to store it, and then released at the right time, uh, can do tremendous good. And that's one way that um, uh, we, we are more effective because of our uh, ties, if you will, uh, of our, uh, our cooperating with the gods in space. Well, it's like that's that's the part that we can do in our humanness mm-hmm. is is work with what we have at our avail. But then, that's like right. you said, it's like here's the it's like throwing a pass and the quarterback takes it and runs with it. Yep. And it's their yep. job to navigate and to figure out the best way to get to the goalpost. I mean, it, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. If you think about it, it's a team effort. And it sounds oh, it, like the Very much it's a team. It sounds like that's what you're doing. The most important team, of course, are, are the humans. That's because it's our, these are our lessons, our problems. And so they, 
I guess you could say another another way of looking at it is that mankind has been like children for for, for centuries, for thousands of years, and we haven't really known it very much. We we just been kind of muddling around in our, in our own in our own anger virtually. Um, but now we're getting to the point where we and so we've had to be, had we have had to have been taken care of for all these all this time. But now we're getting to a point where we're kind of adolescents. And we're getting to the point where we can, we're starting to recognize that we need to do things for ourselves more and more and more. And we can't quite do everything for ourselves, but we're starting to be adults. And so the adults are kind of helping us help ourselves more. It's kind of a a rough, bad analogy, I suppose you could say. Well, it may seem that way, but in all actuality, I don't believe, Brian, it's anything that we can't relate to. I mean, all of us have been children. All of us have been adolescents. Many of us have crossed the thresholds of different ages of adulthood chronologically. Whether or not we've gotten there, you know, emotionally and mentally is another story. Look look what's happening in the world. That should tell you enough right there. But we do guide and direct everybody to the website, where this information, not as, as and I and I have to say, it's beautiful to hear you speak and Chrissy speak and Richard speak, Chrissy Blaze and Richard Lawrence, for those who are unfamiliar with those names. And if you listen to Ethereus Radio Live on a frequent basis, you will not be any longer unfamiliar. And Brian Kniep, who is Executive Secretary and Bishop for the American Headquarters out in Los Angeles, California, of the Ethereus Society, you know, you have... A lot, each of you a, a different way of explaining situations, theorems, um, roles, and so forth. But that's wonderful because it's all the same energy and it comes through in whatever analogous or literal ways you need to explain it. But somewhere out there it will reach that one person that maybe it didn't reach before. It'll talk, speak to these three people that maybe it didn't reach at another time. And if you would like to explore this in more detail, I say this to the listeners, please visit the website, www.Ethereus, and that is A-E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S, Ethereus.org. And I was, Brian and I were talking briefly before the show began. That's a redone website. It's, it's a totally redone. It's beautiful. It's so easy to navigate. And a lot of this information about the charging up the battery and who founded the organization and what they believe in. This is all available on the website. What else are people going to find that you believe would be of the utmost importance to them, whether they're familiar with the Ethereum Society or they are absolutely new and want to figure this out? Uh, what do you mean on the website? Yeah. Well, the website, it, it, it's got a... Um a nice mix of saying what we do in the Ethereum Society, like Operation Prayer Power and some of the other missions, which I can go into if you like, Operation Sunbeam and Saturn Mission, so what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. And it also um, takes a lot of time and, and effort and energy to go into why, to go into the philosophy, the theory, because you know we, we, we dealt with it very briefly uh, here on the radio, but it's, you know, um, what they've given us, the Cosmic Masters, what they've given us is a, a whole new, flushed-in way of looking at the universe. And it, it takes some time to get your head around it. Um, it does slot in. It, it doesn't. It doesn't like cross. Uh, it doesn't go against any of the traditions that we have had on Earth because they're all correct. All these wonderful traditions are, are absolutely correct and true. But it kind of fills in the gaps and it kind of takes it um, how these how this philosophy uh, takes into account the universe. And once you get your head around this this amazing, beautiful philosophy, everything just fits into place. And and the the website is a great place to start to kind of understand this this tremendous new and exciting uh, way of looking at at the world. Uh, another the first book that I read of the Ethereum Society was the Nine Freedoms, and that's of course available on the website as well. And that in nine short chapters, shall we say, explains mankind's evolution from here through to the sun. Uh, so it, it gives it goes way beyond the concept of nirvana or heaven or self-realization, which is you know, has been espoused for centuries by religions. 
And it says, in effect, nirvana is not the end. You don't just go back to God just from your experiences on earth. You then, you master the experiences on earth, then you leave the planet and you go to other worlds, continuing to expand and evolve and help others and, and, and learn and grow. And it, it's, it's, a, such a, it's such a an amazing philosophy and understanding of, of, of why we are here on the world, what, what, we're, what we have to look forward to in the next million years. It's, it's wonderful. Wow, million years of... of more information, more ways of knowing what to do with it. And well, the website has something that I, I would love to share with people because I thought it was fascinating. In fact, I clicked on it and then panicked because I couldn't read it. It was on the right-hand side of the homepage just below. There's a, a like a little slide presentation at the header. And just below that, it says, pick your language. So it really doesn't matter what your home language is. There are several, and from what I understand, That's maybe true. a couple more on the way, yes. that if you speak this language or that language, you click and give it a blink, and that website will entirely change to a language <laughs> that, if you're like me, you didn't understand what you were looking at. I think I picked Dutch, and I couldn't understand what I was looking at. I could pick a few words out, and I thought, no, i got to get back to English. This is driving me nuts. But it wouldn't. It, it's so accessible to people everywhere because they can traverse this knowledge in their native tongue, and I think that is Fabulous. Well, that's just—I mean—that's—that's that's the beauty of, of this day and age, with with a, uh, the ability of a, having a website. Is that let's face it, this type of information in the Ethereum society is not really going to be accepted by the vast majority. You wish it would, but it just—it just isn't. And but there is a lot of people throughout the world that are ready to to dive into this this deep uh, metaphysical uh, cosmic information. And with a website, you can access all these people, or say a different way, all the, all these different people from around the world that are growing in their own way and evolving through their own readings and whatnot. They can find this website read it, and then decide for themselves, is this information, does it really does it resonate with me? Um, does it really work for me? How does it help me? And that's the beauty of a website, is it's so, it can reach everybody who has got access to the Internet, which is an awful lot of people these days. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we we were talking about the different ways that the Ethereum Society you know, can can bring their energy together, and you talked about prayer power, and the it just sounds fascinating to me. I understand this. I get I get the the concept of it. I've worked with crystals for years, so I understand right. about That's, energy yeah. and the crystals. Very and powerful. They are absolutely phenomenal, and it's and it's amazing to me that people don't realize what a great tool they are for us, and, and we for them. You know, we we all help each other. But then you also mentioned we mentioned in passing, and now I think it'd be a great time to explain about Operation Sunbeam and Saturn mission because these are also other tools, other ways that the Ethereum Society works with the gods from space. Well, Sunbeam is another, another good aspect of, of what we do. The, the first aspect I was saying is that we utilize uh, radionics and spiritual uh, machines to uh, make our spiritual energy more potent and, and have it, make it have a longer reach, shall we say, and a more accurate um, uh, reach. Sunbeam is is a way that uh, we directly affect the karma of mankind. And if you remember my uh, explanation in the beginning, the reason why mankind's in the mess that we are in is because of karma, because of our past actions, because we have demonstrated that we are not ready uh, to move on. So we have to go through certain lessons and go through certain experiences to to learn and prove virtually, prove to our higher selves, you could say, that we are ready to evolve. And a karmic manipulation is a way that, shall we say, a, a small number of people can make such a uh, a move, such a potent move on behalf of mankind that it will help the, the, the overall karmic pattern of mankind as a whole. And what Operation Sunbeam does uh, to create this karmic move is that it 
it um, it takes energy that was given specifically to mankind in a, in a mission called Operation Starlight, where there were 19 mountains charged with energy from the gods from space, specifically for mankind to use to help ourselves or help each other. So we can get into that later if you like to. But there's these 19 mountains filled with energy on Earth. And so what uh, Dr. King decided to do was that since we owe the Mother Earth who is a living, breathing, very advanced soul who is holding herself back for mankind to have our experiences. So we owe her a tremendous amount. So we said, okay, well, here's this great being who we owe so much. Here's energy that has been given to mankind for our use. Why don't we take some of that energy that's meant for mankind, put it in one of these batteries, so we really make it powerful, and give it to the Mother Earth? In other words, we're denying ourselves this energy and say, you know what, we want to give this to the Mother Earth who's helped us so much. And so on behalf of mankind, we're showing um, the karmic lords, if you will, that we're starting to get it. We're starting to realize what we owe this great goddess, and we're taking energy meant for us and giving it back to her. And so this is causing um, a tremendous change imperceptible to, to most, but a tremendous change in the overall karma of mankind. And one specific way that we firmly believe it is doing is it's lessening the severity and the um, severity meaning um, the death toll of earthquakes. Back in the um, 60s, 70s, before Operation Sunbeam really got going uh, big time, Earthquakes would would they would move quite a lot and, and cause a lot of damage and kill lots of people. They've now discovered scientists that um, over the past few decades, earthquakes in many cases have changed the way they move. No longer do they always move woof, uh, like a foot or two at once, but they'll have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mini earthquakes where you might move an inch or half an inch or another half an inch, another half an inch, over several years. So you make that same movement, rather than a, a big movement causing uh, uh, much damage and death, many, many, many smaller movements. So this is one way that something like Operation Sunbeam can, can be tremendously uh, potent and helpful. Wow, it's like gratitude. You know, we're saying Grat thank that you. Is, it's gratitude. That's exact. you know, the basic concept, the basic things that we've been knowing about for, for centuries, but it, it's kind of like it's doing them in a really potent uh, way. Wow, and it's and it's an act of selflessness, you know, serving yeah. others. It's yeah. It's like when you celebrate Mother's Day. We go back to the woman that gave us birth or the woman that raised us or the woman we mm -hmm. consider to be the biggest influence, and we fed her that and we do nice things for her. And then, of course, the the, the tagline is, and why don't you do this every day? Uh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that would be kind of right. nice. Yeah. So then here's Mother Earth who, you know, asks us for nothing, and we rip into her and we, you know, do all these crazy things in the name of, our wanting to have a happy life, and then we look at the mess, the wreckage, and we say, wow, that's really a shame. Somebody's got to clean that up. You know, Really? The, like the maid is going to come in and fix that? <laughs> but, you know, the interesting thing I wanted to bring out is the worst thing that we do to the Mother Earth is we are evolving so slowly. Mm. It's an odd thing, but see, she... Uh, I want to go into all this uh, detailed history right now, but we, we, we came to Earth about 18 million years ago, and she chose to hold herself back to accept mankind to come onto Earth to evolve. And back in the days of Atlantis, which as best I can understand is about three or 400,000 years ago, back in those days, she, it was time for the Mother Earth to move on, to evolve, to go another step up in her, in her path of evolution herself. But to have done that, she would she would have had to raise her vibrations on the physical planet Earth, which would have made life on Earth uh, impossible for a vast majority of mankind. And so she said, you know what, I'm going to hold myself back uh, from this initiation, from this move forward, because if I do, mankind, what's going to happen to them? 
And so because we're going so slow, and here's another three, four, five hundred thousand years, we're holding her up from her initiation. And that's, and that's uh, in essence, why things are changing and things, things are speeding up in these days. is because uh, it has been decided by the, these great beings known as the Lords of Karma that the Mother Earth cannot hold herself back anymore. She's got to make this move. And so the cosmic masters are saying, all right, now we really have to start playing some of these cards we've, we've got to get mankind to um, get really evolve so that at least, at least um, uh, shall we say, hopefully a large minority um, will be able to stay back on Earth once she takes her change uh, in the heavens. That makes a lot of sense, and I think that, that when people realize that it's not just our responsibility and our duty, but it's a joy, you know, when you when you see what you've been a part of, I don't care whether it's you know decorating the house for the holidays, or it's you know repurposing items in a in somebody's home for them that can't do it themselves. In other words, reaching out in some capacity that really is a huge joy. We, we call it sure. volunteerism in most cases, but it's no longer a volunteer effort. It, it's definitely something. It's a lot more serious and a lot more. Um, we can see it, and we can, and and unfortunately, people are reacting out of fear, which to me I think hinders us just as badly, just as much. It is a huge chain is fear, and yet, from the Ethereum Society point of view, it it really isn't about fear. I see it as about, as duty, and that when done through the teachings and the information presented to us, it it just becomes a joy. It's work, but whistle. I mean, you get through it. But it's, there's such a sense of accomplishment, I would think, as opposed to a feeling of doom. And they, I think that's they, what I they, sense is the difference. They, they found, they, they've done a study recently, I, I, I heard, uh, I think it was at Harvard, and they they split a, a class up into a half and half, and they and they said, all right, this half, here's 20 bucks. Uh, in the next 24 hours, you got to spend this 25, 20 bucks on someone else. The other half of the class, all right, here's 20 bucks. Use it for whatever you want. Have a good time. It's, it's your money. Do whatever you want to make yourself happy. And after the, after the 24 hours, they come back, and they did a, a kind of a survey and whatever, and they figured this stuff out, however they do, and they found that by far the people that had that money and gave it to others, they got way more out of that 20 bucks. In, 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 in fulfillment, in love, in satisfaction, in upliftment, than ever the twenty the, the people who use that money on themselves. And it's it's funny. It's something that you kind of you kind of innately know, but we we as a race really still don't do it. We don't follow that uh, that concept. Mm. No, we don't. It's and it's and that's why it makes the news so many times when you see a young group of, of school children that does this miraculously beautiful volunteering thing and everybody rushes out there with their cameras and says, look what these wonderful right. children did. Wouldn't yeah. it be great if we were all like this? And I thought, exactly. Yeah. well, it wouldn't it be great if that wasn't necessarily news? You know, if that was just the norm. It, it boggles yeah. my, Although I'd rather see that news than, than some oh, of the stuff that's out there. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it just sort of boggles my mind to think about it. So we know a little bit. And, and unfortunately, you know, when you look at time constraints, like you said, this could we could talk. You and I could just sit here and chat for days. I mean, seriously, yeah, about, about the great information and and enjoy it too. How wonderful is this? This is Brian Kniep, ladies and gentlemen. He's the executive secretary and bishop of the Ethereum Society, based the U.S.-based headquarters in Los Angeles, California, and there are bases all over the world. In other words, locations where you can go. In the state of Michigan, where I am, it's Royal Oak, Michigan which is a, a beautiful location at 3119 North Campbell Road. There's also places in in England. There's, In fact, it's, is that not where the uh, actual European headquarters is, is over okay. in, in uh, yeah. England. And Richard Lawrence, our esteemed Richard Lawrence, who hosts the show regularly with Chrissy Blaze, is your counterpart there. He's the bishop and the executive secretary. Yeah, good good friend of mine. Yeah, I see him, I see him every year or so at least. Yeah. Aww. Wonderful man. <laughs> and that's nice. I, I never hear anybody in this organization say anything about each other that you wouldn't want everybody to know. So I, I really love that. I think it's, it's like such a, a great, 
outpouring of camaraderie and respect, as well as genuine love and admiration. But we guide you to their website, which is ethereus.org, for much more information than we can possibly pack into an hour here. But I'm curious to know, are there are there different levels of connection to the Ethereus Society? I mean, obviously, you have a, a title and a station and a responsibility, but I'm just the average Jane on the street. Where do I fit into this, and how can I grow through the Ethereum Society? No, that's an excellent question, uh, Annette. Um, you know, we do have uh, different uh, levels. Uh, I guess it's, it starts with the um, uh, the staff team, which uh, which uh, Dr. King set up, and and those are people that, by and large, uh, work for free. They volunteer their time. And so most of the staff team, and I mean, there are a few paid individuals uh, who are very, very slow paid, but uh, most, the vast majority of the staff are, are unpaid, so they go to a full-time job, say eight to five, or these days, you know, eight to six sometimes, and then they uh, come home for a quick bite, uh, and then they come then they come to the church, uh, either in London or, or Detroit or Barnsley or, or Los Angeles or Auckland, New Zealand, different places, and they work from 7.30 till 10 o'clock every night, uh, volunteering their time to help the Ethereum Society in different ways, and um, all and most of the days on weekends, say from 10 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we Obviously, we give people some time off, but by and large, those are the hours for the staff team. Now, clearly, everyone can't be doing that. So the next level down from the staff team would would be your your member initiates, and these are members that have that have joined the Ethereum Society, learned all the teachings really really well, taken a test on the teachings, shown the dedication through, you know, volunteering and for work and and uh, donations, that kind of, all those kinds of things that you expect from a really good member, and uh, so they're member initiates. Then you've got uh, members who who come, and the requirements for for members are that you just observe. The, the, these very important um, commemoration dates that we have uh, in our calendar, uh, which which we, we uh, like, for example, July the 8th is a very important day for us. That's the initiation of Earth Day. And so all members have to observe that day uh, for the whole day, um, really in honor of the Mother Earth. And then down from membership, you've got uh, sympathizers and, and close workers and people who who come in. You know, maybe they aren't able to be to be uh, members or don't don't want to commit just yet, but they want to come to Operation Prayer Power. They want to come to the Twelve Blessings, and so all of the everyone, of course, wherever they are, um, will be doing the Twelve Blessings. The Twelve Blessings is this one thing that everybody can help the world, can help the Ethereum Society, can help the Mother Earth, can help the Cosmic Masters. It is the one key um, that you can do in the Ethereum Society wherever you are, um, whenever you want to, preferably together with others, because if you pray as a group, you do have more energy than just the aggregate amount. And so you're sending this tremendous energy to the sun, to the Mother Earth, to the Cosmic Masters, to all those who give healing on Earth, to the those, all those who work for peace. And so you're, you're sending this energy um, on behalf of mankind uh, to those who need it on Earth and to those who we give thanks to uh, in the heavens. And this is an extremely potent way of helping mankind and yourself evolve in these critical days. I like that. I like the fact that it doesn't matter what your abilities, capabilities, or time constraints are. There's a way to participate, and well, I would imagine that. That's the key. That, that's the key. Yeah, that that's, I, mean, I was going to say it must be the key. I, I see my job here um, as executive secretary in Los Angeles is to try and and arrange so that anyone who wants to help can help. What, whatever level they want to help at, if they can be on the staff and work here um, 20, 30 hours a week um, unpaid, or you can come in one hour every month, uh, or you can come, just come to service. I, I want to make sure that anyone who wants to participate, uh, I want to be, I want to give them the opportunity within their um, uh, their life, you know, which includes their interest and their outside commitments, uh, to help um, the world and the Ethereum Society. Uh, as best they possibly can. 
amazing, wonderful. The the opportunity that uh, Brian Kniep speaks of is something that you have to find in your heart where you are, and whether it's jump in with both feet and be so enchanted and enthralled with your own energy at that point that you're just wanting to be everywhere and everything, that's great. There are some of us that are like that, and there are others that... Right. Yeah. Take a little slower to get into it, but it's and there's no right way or wrong way. It, de- it depends exactly. on you. You have to, as you say, that the key is, as you say, you've got to look into your heart and feel what's right for you. You know, don't don't let people push you and don't let people push you away. You know, in other words, find out what's right for you and then make a decision what you want to do and then do it. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, there's there's something else that I find fascinating about the differences between looking at the Ethereum society versus or in comparison to, and not really a comparison-oriented person, but okay, for the sake of discussion, where where I come from, we do a spiritual healing session, the little spiritualist church that I've been with for mm-hmm. 20 years. Mm-hmm. And yet I see faith healers that work the, the universe. Now, I know what's different between what I'm doing versus what they're doing, what does that mean in the Ethereum Society? Because I know you do spiritual healing, but is that faith healing? Is that the same thing as what I see other churches doing? Well, <clears throat> the spiritual healing, healing that we do um, is, I, I guess you could say it's more scientifically based. Uh, now, of course, Western science wouldn't like me to use that terminology. But what what we do is we we give healing to the aura of the body. Um, I'm not sure if I have time to go into what the aura is. Hopefully the, the, your listeners will know what the aura is. There's a subtle body um, just outside the physical body. Uh, and that's where the psychic centers are. They are basically in the aura. And the aura reflects on the physical body, and vice versa, the physical body reflects on the aura. And so if you've got a, a condition uh, in your physical body... Um, it it will appear on the auric body. And so what we do is we give healing to the psychic centers in the aura. So we try and flood the aura with this, this energy, love. Okay, so It's like prayer, but, you, but you're putting it into the, the aura of the, the person in, in a very specific way. And you're trying to like break up any blockages that are in the aura. And then the more that you clean the aura, that will reflect on the physical body and help the body create the change necessary to heal itself. In essence, that's the, the, the healing that we we use. Well, and it, and it makes sense to me, and I guess the, the biggest difference that I would sense is that with faith healing, if my faith isn't strong enough, that's not going to work. And in this case, I don't have to believe in it because it's not going through my intellectual body it's going through my auric body which that's right has yeah, you, you I, I would say a mind of its own but that's a bit of a stretch i would say yeah. it has a consciousness of its own yes so yeah. it and then i would think too that because many people aren't aware they'll say you know i just get this feeling sometimes or i i get this sense around me and they might not know the proper terminology to use them and understand it's an auric field or whatever other energy field it might be. But I think we believe in these other fields. We just don't know how we connect with them. We just, we're just we just not totally aware. So I like that. I like the idea of that. And I think that if more people experienced the type of healing energy or healing work, be it receiving or giving, and I think you're both at, at all times, so that's kind of a silly statement for me to make, but regardless of what end of the the outstretched hand you are at, there's something fabulous there that is occurring. I see it like a ripple effect that goes out because if we're working on ourselves and keeping ourselves healthy and whole, it, it actually makes the entire energy around us the same way, which I think takes us right back to why these energies from the outer limits of the cosmos and around us can't come in and do this for us because... They already live in that existence. They're already that energy itself, and they can't be that for us, but they can guide us towards it, which to me is why the Ethereum Society became the Ethereum Society, because Dr. King 
recognized that when he was contacted and, and he was charged with this this mission, if you will, to bring this forth, as were, as you pointed out, Buddha and Krishna and Christ and, and all of the other great avatars that have come before. I just think that Dr. King might be the most recent that we're aware of. But I, I have a question that I've been I've been thinking about since the moment we started talking and so I'm just gonna let it fly whether it's a dessert or not. Do you think that even though we all claim ourselves to be or acknowledge ourselves to be these humans in this human body, could some of us walking on this earth actually be from another planet or another part of the cosmos and maybe not be cognizantly aware of it? Uh, that's a good question, and I must say, you, you, you tend to see, well, I, I have met a lot of people that, that claim that they are. Um, I, I mean, there's two ways to answer that. One is, uh, yes, we do know that there are a very small number of individuals from other worlds uh, on this planet, uh, but the likelihood of somebody not knowing is extraordinarily um, would be all, all virtually impossible uh, for someone not to know certainly by the time they become an adult uh, I'm not saying that you, you would know if you were like eight but um, if you if you were in the earth physical body from another world I, all the information that, I've, that I know is that you would certainly know by the time you're at the very minimum at least by the time you're like 20, 21 in your, in your 20s um, and so if you were if you are are an adult um living on the planet earth uh you are not going to be from another world unless you really really know you are and to be really honest you'd have to have some pretty astounding abilities uh if you were from another world um okay. i'm not saying that, that you, if you meet someone that they're necessarily going to um Exhibit those abilities, right? But, um, but you, you, you would have them put, put that way. Well, fair enough. I mean, it makes sense because because you're right. You do hear of people that, you know, look at you with that keen, you know, glow in their eye and tell you they're from this end of the galaxy or this planet. And I I have heard a couple people that could be pretty dang convincing. And I thought, well, I can't say you're not. And right, I've never and been I, to where you say. I couldn't you know? say either. You know, I couldn't say that they're not. Only the only person who really knows for sure would be the individual. You know. Yeah, I, um, but I think but, it's a, it's miraculous and amazing because I do believe that there are those around us that are here walking around as flesh and blood as you and I are that give the appearance that we are all exactly the same, and in one respect I think we are because. Even though when we think they're the same, it's because they look like us, they have flesh that appears to be like ours, and hair, and they can eat and sleep and talk and, and relate. But I think, in my own humble opinion, and as, and as minutely educated as it is, and I don't mean that as a detriment, I think that I just have so much more to learn, that we are the same because that inner energy of love is the same for all beings. It's just that some live it, and some have yet to understand it and experience it. Well, well said. We, we are all sparks of God, or, or, or I think, as the Master Jesus said, we are all angels in the making. Wow! Because we're all we're all that. sparks of God, and we're, and we're just learning. We're growing. It's like like you know, a, a kid who's eight, um, just because he doesn't know as much as somebody who's twenty-eight, um, he's no less of a being. He's just learning. He's just right. Learning. And, and, then at, we're all, and at we're all points. exactly, exactly. That is so awesome, Ryan Kniep. I'll tell you, there is there's a reason why. <laughs> and I told Richard and Christy this that they were never going to get through the twelve blessings in one episode, and they kind of chuckled. <laughs> no <laughs> and I way. said, "Hey, come on!" Because there's so much to talk about. There's so much oh, to yeah. know and so much to yeah. learn. And I, I believe we've given everybody sort of a, the buffet edition of information regarding the Ethereum Society, but I thank you so much for being with us and, and able and available because this is, this is I think, an aspect of Ethereum that people need to understand as much as they do the 12 blessings because there's just so many question marks that I see in people's eyes. I think this has made exclamation points out of some of them. Thank you. 
Well, thank you for uh, running us a, a really enjoyable interview. I really enjoyed it, and thanks for uh, uh, being being who you are. Doing a great oh, work. Well, thank you. You are so welcome. Remind everybody to visit uh, org as well as BodyMindSpiritRadio.com, and we thank you for joining us today, and stay tuned.